Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Steph can still play. I'm sure he would love to have that deep ball again. He'd be the first to tell you. He's super competitive. He's going to work his tail off this offseason and I know there's various reasons or questions on this or his production all that but I still see Steph as a number one receiver Bill Jim Brandon Bean from their end of season press conference Jeremy and Joe good morning Jim Harbaugh hired by the Chargers leaving only openings in Carolina Atlanta and Seattle those are the three Washington, too. Washington, too. But, sorry. but everyone thinks that's going to be Ben Johnson. And Dan Quinn's got a second interview in Seattle. Looks like that's that's always been like, oh, yeah, Dan Quinn's going to get that job. So. so Dan Quinn gets that job, and Ben Johnson gets the Washington job. That leaves just Atlanta and Carolina, right? Yeah. And Atlanta has And Belichick and Vrabel are staring at each other like, uh, one of us not coaching this Belichick year? Belichick and Vrabel and 12 other candidates. For Atlanta. The, yeah. 14 yeah. interviews for Atlanta. Anyway, we'll get some uh, some football stuff with Chris Trapasso here of CBS Sports. He joins us on the Western Hotline. Chris, good morning. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me again. What do you make of the, the coaching carousel right now? Harbaugh, the thoughts on the Harbaugh hire, and what should Atlanta do? Is it a slam dunk for Belichick? The Harbaugh one is weird because he's obviously a proven winner at like every level, college, the NFL. I don't know, though, if I love Justin Herbert and uh, his skill set in a ground and pound, like I-formation, six offensive lineman on the field on every play type of offense but it is hard to kind of argue with the fact that Harbaugh like again one at San Diego one at Stanford one with the 49ers obviously one at Michigan so from that perspective uh the the proven nature of him as a head coach has got to be a pretty welcomed addition to the Chargers as far as what you guys were just mentioning that if it's just Vrabel and Belichick and it's the Carolina job and the Atlanta job I wouldn't be surprised if Rabel takes a year off and kind of picks a better situation like Sean Payton did. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense to me. I, I mean, I think Belichick could even consider doing that as well, depending on yeah, what, what, what Atlanta wants to do. Chris, yeah. let, let's take a minute on the game, on the Bills' makeup, sure. on, on what happened on Friday, Friday, Sunday, sorry. What happened on Sunday between the Bills and the Chiefs? As you look back at it, you know, are you – fading on Sean McDermott and his and his track record against Mahomes in the playoffs, or is it just the Bills keep losing coin tosses and nobody likes to hear it, but that's really what's happening? Yeah, that's a good way to frame that question. Um, I, I certainly think anyone can look at the defensive performances that Sean, that Sean McDermott's defenses have had, even against the Bengals and three games against the Chiefs, and it's not been good. Like, if you just got even, like, an average Bills defensive performance from this season in that game, 
And I get it, Mahomes is not an average quarterback. But if you would have gotten how the Bills were playing defense down the stretch against the Cowboys, against the Chiefs in Arrowhead, the Bills win that game. So from that perspective, I think McDermott needs to be better in those big game situations in the playoffs. Now, I do think you have to look at the caveat that they were at one point playing Tyler Matikiewicz at linebacker and were down their top two corners, which is not ideal if you're in the game against Patrick Mahomes. Um, and then at this, so I'm kind of in the middle. I think also, you know, missing a field goal when anyone would have said, all right, 44 yard field goal, tie the game, not ideal, but we're basically in a zero zero game with two minutes to go. Then they would have probably signed up for that. So I think uh, the bills are not going to change head coaches. And I don't, could another head coach come in here and win like Sean McDermott? Probably. I mean, almost likely, like very likely. But I think the fact that he's here, the culture, he has his guys. If you get a new head coach, they would you know, be looking for those new players and maybe release or trade some guys that maybe wouldn't be worth that. So I think it would just be an unnecessary um, transaction to make, a, obviously a rather big one, to move on from Sean McDermott. Um, and try to find a new head coach. But the pieces are there. I'm kind of in the middle. I think he's got to be better on defense, but a lot of coin flips too. You know, one thing about this this team, he's talking about explosive plays. And Mm -hmm. I was was writing down in my notes for a topic for the offseason, like what's the million-dollar question for this offseason for the Bills? And I think the million-dollar question is what kind of offense does Joe Brady want versus the offense Mm -hmm. that he was running for that was Ken Dorsey's offense. So, Chris, in your experience, you know, charting Brady and charting what this Bills offense maybe wants to become, and as you're doing mock drafts, your mock draft had them taking Xavier Worthy. So mm-hmm. th- this is a look where it's a speedster. Uh, piece it all together for us, what the Bills can do in this draft at receiver and how that kind of fits into what Joe Brady might want to be doing. Yeah, I think, I mean, we can hear what Sean McDermott said during his his exit interview or his end-of-season press conference Brandon Bean and say okay yeah the Bills want to be more explosive every team does but from your question I'm just looking at what Joe Brady did at LSU and he did it certainly more with the Bills as he took over this season a lot more spread offense a lot more uh, you know three and four and even five wide receivers at times that's what he did at LSU he had Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase they had a good tight end Thaddeus Moss they had um Terrace Marshall, who went in the second round. So I think he can say and kind of bang the table during the draft, like, I need one or maybe two wide receivers. I know that's music to your ears, Jeremy, and and I'm kind of in that same boat too. So I think you will see the front office and the specific coordinator say, look, we need more weapons at receiver because I think in that Chiefs game it was obvious that the Bills – why they didn't win that game, they couldn't hit those explosive plays, and I think why the offense was so quick game-based and run-heavy was because I think they realized, like, Diggs isn't really playing up to par, and after Khalil Shakir, in terms of down-the-field threats, there really wasn't anyone that they could rely upon to have Josh Allen chuck, you know, 10 deep balls down the field. Right, and even Shakir, Chris, like, I think his future... He's not a no. Yeah, no, like, in terms of, like, just winning down the field. Like, I, the last time a Bills receiver was just behind a defensive back, you know, for, for a ball, like, wide open, you know, like, digs on Sunday. Like, you can see it to where it's a contested ball and it should be caught. But mm-hmm. the Dolphins and other teams with these speed receivers, you a lot of times will just see them behind the defense. And when I see you having them with Xavier Worthy, like, isn't – that's the specific type of receiver I think we're going to be spending the offseason talking about, right? 
Yeah, totally. And I always go back to the 2020 bill. To me, I mean, the defense wasn't amazing, but that was the best offense that the Bills have had since the 90s. And we've always, or we've started to hear general managers talk about that you want an offense that kind of resembles a basketball team, different sizes, different skill sets, a point guard, you know, the bigger power forwards. That 2020 team, Gabe Davis was the four. He was the down the field wide receiver, uh, sideline, back shoulder. He was the fourth option. Cole Beasley underneath was just a nightmare for defenses, for linebackers, for slot corners. You had Diggs, obviously, can do everything. And then you also had John Brown, who even at the end of his prime there, as he was getting closer to 30 and then got to 30, was still someone that ran in the four threes at the combine and threatened teams down the field. I think, again, that's kind of the theme here. That's what the Bills were missing. They were hoping they were going to get it with Hardy and Sherfield. I think they should have used Hardy a little bit more. They kind of went away from him as the season progressed, so maybe there was something there in practice or whatever the case may be. But you're absolutely right that this offense, to accentuate Diggs and accentuate Khalil Shakir underneath and Dalton Kincaid being that kind of chain-moving tight end that, that proved to be very good as a rookie, you need the ability for someone besides Diggs to grab attention from some of those deep safeties. You know, as you lay it out like a basketball team, this receiver class coming in, there's a lot of talk about, oh, it's just a great class. How is it in terms of the diversity of types of receivers? You know, your fours, your threes, your your whatever. They might have to replace Gabe Davis and then get another receiver, of course, that they want to be a different role than Davis. Maybe that's the John Brown or whatever. As you, as you look at Worthy as your field stretcher or, you know, whoever it might be, how deep is the class in the diversity of skill set? Um, it's pretty deep. I think actually if you're looking at this class from afar and you're zeroing in on the first couple rounds, it it's, uh, leans a little bit toward it's deeper at the bigger kind of power forward types. You have Marvin Harrison Jr. obviously at the top. The Bills are not going to be able to get him. Rome Adunze from Washington, someone that we certainly watch a lot. He'll probably be off the board in the top half of the first round. But then you have Brian Thomas from LSU, um, who was very good. He's 6'2", 6'3", over 200 pounds, athletic. Um, Devontae Walker, who Drake May threw to at North Carolina, another big body. Then there's Keon Coleman from Florida State, awesome catch radius. A.D. Mitchell from Texas. These are all 6'2 and up wide receivers. So I, I think there are some speedsters. Jalen Polk from uh, Washington, Jermaine Burton from Alabama, I think is going to run a really fast time. And then obviously Xavier Worthy from Texas, you do have some speedsters, but I think in the, from like pick one to pick 50 or 60, um, there's more big body wide receivers that have those, which those can be downfield threats too because of their catch radius, but that's a little bit more of the, the theme of the top of this wide receiver class, do bigger you feel, body. Do you feel like the best plan of attack for the Bills would be to, to, if you want a bigger body guy, make that a later pick and earlier on you're going for your more vertical John Brown style? Uh it's a little early Depends. to say that because, yeah, it, it, it's a little early. Like, if Xavier Worthy runs as fast as I think he will and he's running, like, low four threes and has, like, a 35 or higher vertical and shows that explosiveness that he, that he was – that was very easy to see on film, then I think you're going to be talking about him as someone that they would have to pick in the first round. And because of what I just mentioned and, and I think what you're alluding to – Yes, there is more depth at the bigger body wide receivers. Now, we can get into the specifics and say, hey, they need more uh, speed. They need another vertical element. Just hitting on a quality wide receiver that is going to be used in the slot, outside, in motion, down the field, underneath, 
that matters more to me than just drafting like a Marquise Goodwin type player. Yeah. I want to ask you also about size too, because Mm -hmm. I know I I had somebody yesterday talking about, you know, the bigger guys or 50, 50 ball guys. And over time, the last maybe 10 years, size of receiver in the draft has dipped, has gone, has gone down a lot. And that's not just height, but that's weight. Like you have worthy worthy's listed at maybe one seventy, And I'm remembering, Tank Dell was what one fifty five or something mm-hmm. like one sixty. Flowers was small too. Yeah, like yeah. so we've got small receivers that whatever. If you're looking at old school scouts, or I'm not trying to make him old school scouts, just like the idea that oh these guys are too small. It seems like the NFL is finding more and more space for the smaller receiver. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, and there's a few others. Uh, Jamari Thrash from Louisville is someone who's really fun to watch. Anias Smith from Texas A&M. They're all going to be well under six foot. And like you're mentioning, between like 165 and 180, maybe 190. So traditionally, and, and when I say traditionally, I mean even five to ten years ago, that is slot only, way too small, can't play. But even guys like Deontay Johnson, um, they're, they're smaller wide receivers that have proven that separation is king. We know that. And it kind of harkens back to me to the Bills linebacker, conversation and it's kind of a a roundabout way of saying we were so concerned who's a middle linebacker who's an outside linebacker you watch a Bills game Terrell Bernard was inside he was outside he was playing in the slot at wide receiver today you're even if you are that small it doesn't mean you can never play on the outside and you can never motion you have to just be in the slot you have to be able to do a lot of different things to be that well-rounded wide receiver so I think the NFL has just watched college and said look Tank Dell has one on the outside uh, Deontay Johnson at Toledo won on the outside against press coverage, and then he was a mismatch at that point. So I, I, I think don't get too caught up on, oh, wow, that guy's too small. It, in a way, it's almost like if Roscoe Parrish was in the NFL 10 years later, he would have been used a lot better than he yeah. was. Yeah, I, I must wonder how much of it is the evolution where – you know, receivers got bigger, and then what happened as a result? Corners got bigger, right? And then all of a sudden yeah. it became, well, maybe we can actually get a smaller receiver to beat this corner that's sitting there at, you know, 6'2 or whatever. So uh, getting open, whatever the open score is, is the number one trait the Bills should be looking for. Yeah, definitely. And, and I think it's kind of that cat and mouse game that we've seen with defenses, that when defense get lighter, then teams can run the ball. And then so it's a constant chess match between offenses and defenses. The one thing I – and I feel like this is almost like a stock answer that I have to say when I'm on GR. I wonder if the team's uh, imp- drastic improvement in yards after the catch and chief among them, Khalil Shakir, and, and how we saw his yards after the catch ability create big plays, easier big plays for the offense, if they do start to prioritize that a little bit more. Because that really has not been a thing in the Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean era outside of Shakir in round five that they've really prioritized when picking a wide receiver or a tight end. It's been the ability to get open, a lot of leadership stuff, production. There's guys like Xavier Leggett, uh, Jalen Polk, even Brendan Rice, Jerry Rice's son, who are good after the catch. And that's something that I'm going to be watching and kind of monitoring as the draft season progresses. And then they have the draft in late April. Do the Bills say, hey, look, we kind of like what Khalil Shakir, that part of his skill set, brought to this team. A four-yard pass turns into a 15-yard gain or – a 15-yard post turns into an 80-yard touchdown yeah. against the Jets. I'm thinking, I mean, I'm going to have a million receivers that I want the Bills to draft. I'm thinking of Malachi Corley. There's a lot. Malachi Corley here is like the yak guy. Yeah, who, who run, Kentucky. He runs hard. He runs fast. He makes guys miss. He's he, he he's like uh, 
I don't know, the highlights I've seen, it's like Pacheco as a running back. He's just angry all the time yeah, when he's running. very much so. Yeah. And there's, yeah, there's a lot of them in this class. I, it's, it's kind of become the position like running back where there's just so many receivers who are good that you really can pluck them at any point. I do think the Bills should and will prioritize it early. Um, it's just obviously the difference is running back, you can just kind of plug anyone in and it's fine. Receiver, you need like three good ones in today's NFL. I, I'm betting you, you'll be able to answer this a lot better, you know, in the coming months. But as you say that, but my, my, my brain goes in two different directions. One of, well, I guess if there's so many of them, like wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to just wait till the second round. But at the same time, I feel like, you know, there have been drafts in the past, you know, the, the, the Pickens and Christian Watson draft mm-hmm. where – all right, well, we can wait to the second round, and then like seven of them went in round two, and right before the Bills pick, it's, uh-oh, they're all gone. Yeah, I, I think what we've seen the Bills do is that the last couple drafts, when there has been a glaring need, and of course this team has not been one that has 15 needs going into the offseason or, or three or four big ones, but like when they needed a corner in 2022, they zeroed in on the cornerbacks early. Tight end seemed like kind of an obvious choice in round one they trade up for Dalton Kincaid they needed a defensive end they went Greg Russo Carlos Basham back to back so I think I don't want to say that they kind of uh make it obvious what they're going to do but it's again and even with all the financial kind of hoop jumping that they need to do this offseason I still think that will be the most clear-cut need and it seems like Brandon Bean has been like look this is what we need we're not going to necessarily wait and hope um but if things like what happened last year where four receivers go off the board right in front of the Bills. I don't know if they would have picked a receiver. I think they really liked the tight end class, but that they could say, all right, hey, look, like we could maybe get the number one safety or number one D tackle, whatever the case may be, and there should be, almost assuredly, will be quality wide receivers in the second round. But after you get to round two and round three, I don't think the Bills should wait and hope that you know their favorite late-round guy is there in round four. They need to prioritize this early in the draft. Very good. Chris Trapasso, of course, you can follow him. Uh, scouting gradebook, too. How, how's that thing that worked throughout the, uh, the college season now that we're into the draft season? Uh, yeah, I mean, for me, obviously, it's, it's very helpful to just organize my whole draft process and scouting and getting grades out there. And usually now, this is my second year of selling it, people start to buy it now because they like to kind of dip their toes into the scouting process. And it's just to have your grades be auto-populated into a big board and sorted for you. It's something that I just made in Google Sheets a couple of years ago. Uh, I think people tend to like it. I'm not selling thousands of them, but I, <laughs> I get a couple of sales throughout the week. Good. Well, you can follow him on Twitter at Chris Trapasso. And if you want that scouting gradebook, there's a link to it right in his profile, scoutinggradebook.com. Thanks, Chris, as always. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. Chris Trapasso. Good stuff on the uh, receivers, you know. Everyone going to pick their favorite over the uh, course of the year because there's a, a Jerry Rice's son, <laughs> too. Just like, oh, okay. Troy Franklin might be my early favorite. He's, I saw a mock draft. Actually, it was Chris's mock draft. They have the Bills going Xavier Worthy and the Chiefs going Troy Franklin with the next pick. Hmm. And, I wouldn't be – okay. I know I just said he might be my favorite. I, I, will, I will take that. Well, I would think I would take here's, that. Here's part of the, the the draft process. I told you, what do I do when I click on mock draft? So I I clicked on Chris's, which was the first of this offseason. Not it's not actually his first mock draft, and I'll just scroll and see where the receivers go. Okay, like all right, what's going to happen here? Um, Marvin Harrison Jr. to the Cardinals. Okay, fine. Malik Neighbors to the Giants. Okay, fine. And then we start getting to, to to get into Roma Dunze Jets. 
Uh-oh. Garrett Wilson and Roma Dunze. Uh-oh. Yeah. Okay, what else happens in Chris's mock draft if, if this were to happen? Brian Thomas Jr. to the Bengals. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. T. Higgins leaves and Brian Thomas Jr. goes in to play with Jamar Chase. Uh-oh. All right, what 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 else you have for us, Chris? What other, you know, fresh fear? All right, Xavier. Does he have the Dolphins picking a receiver? No. Okay, No, but Xavier Worthy to the Bills and then Troy Franklin to the Chiefs. Uh-oh. That's yeah. half the reason you should be doing it. <laughs> right. right, you're trying to get ahead of the Chiefs, so they just like, hey, we're just going to match exactly what you just did. We're going to do the same thing. Yeah, every year I've been, I've been doing this for a while now with who does everybody else take. All right, we got a break. Greg Paulus going to join us, Niagara head coach, at uh, about 845 today. they got a big event coming up this weekend. And we'll chat with you, 803-0550, on the receiver train, on the Harbaugh news. We asked if, uh, on a Twitter poll, we'll revisit this, if do the Chargers have a better coach than the Bills? See what the number is on that. I haven't, I haven't checked the results yet. So um, that's up. You can vote on that at Twitter. And uh, let us know if you're rooting for the Ravens or the Chiefs. Maybe we'll dig more on that tomorrow and throughout the day today. Jeremy and Joe on WGR. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm not going to lie. I gave Kylie a heads up. The moment we got into the suite, I said, I'm taking my shirt off and I'm jumping out of that suite. And she said, Jason, don't you dare. I was like, hey, it's letting you know what's happening. I'm not asking for permission. I'm doing this. And she was already telling me to be on my best behavior because we were meeting Taylor. I was like, Kylie, when I met you, the first day I met you, I was blacked out drunk and fell asleep at the bar. This is part of the charm. This is part of the Jason Kelsey charm. I want to make my best first impression. This is my best chance. My best first impression is the worst impression ever. So I, I, I can just build Set from that, that point. Nice oh, yeah, exactly. The Kelsey Brothers. What's the name of their podcast? New Heights. New Heights. Yeah. yeah. Jason Kelsey. Listen, Bill's lost, but the lore of Bill's Mafia and the good time that is Bill's games was driven further, lives on. Better than before, in part thanks to Jason Kelsey, right? Who somehow stole uh, the show from Taylor Swift's He did. Suite. Yes, he did. He yeah. was doing bowling ball shots. Yes. He did all of it. He lived the life. He went to the... He didn't quite jump through a table, but he did He did everything else, right? He, he also did the fits, you know, He said he wanted screaming, to jump. shirtless. Yeah, he thing. wanted to jump through a table and didn't get to oh. said next time. One other thing he did, this is kind of funny, like, we had a caller earlier talk about leadership and the players not showing up for postseason press conferences Kelsey also said that you know he went to Big Tree and had some beers and that he was told that the story goes back in the 90s when the Bills would have two a days back when there were two a days mm-hmm. at practice that the Bills would leave practice and go to the Big Tree and have lunch and drink beer and go back for the second practice and the practices would be significantly more sloppy like consider what how it works now everything is under such a microscope if you don't speak with the media afterwards like wow you're a terrible leader meanwhile back in the day when they would practice they would drink <laughs> in between practices <laughs> different times different times but um yeah kelsey 
the two of them, the Kelseys in that, that it, podcast. Is it stunning that they've kind of stolen what the the, the spotlight, the sport from like Brady? Uh, how come Brady's podcast? Brady's probably like, oh, my my podcast isn't uh, this podcast. Does he have a podcast? Yeah, he has the Let's Go, but doesn't he do it like once a week? He does. I think so. Well, a generally boring with uh, with Jim Gray, right? Oh, two very he, exciting no, people. He does it once a week because I get tick, like a, a TikTok once a week. Like last week, it was him with Randy Moss and Julian Edelman. So he just brings back his old Patriot buddies, and the Kelseys have completely, you know, they, oh, they've yeah. lapped him with, well, with at least that. Greg Olson is another guy who's he's been appearing a, a couple different places. He's on Fox. He's their lead analyst, and the the chatter is that Brady is going to replace him. Meanwhile, I got Greg Olson right. on television readily up and good on the analytics of going for two when you score a touchdown, when you're down two touchdowns, which is refreshing and nice. You know, like the, the game has evolved and these it, it's these coaches are making smarter decisions. The game's getting smarter and you've still got some people that don't have the time to learn why mm. that's the case. The famous clip going around is Michael Wilbon asking, like, what are these guys doing? Like, it takes five minutes to learn it. If you just want to, you can. Here's Greg Olson as the lead analyst for Fox. If he gets replaced by Brady, Greg Olson should maybe replace Romo. Ro- oh, yeah. I mean, what's Romo these days? Romo's the worst now. Romo right? is the Ro- lazy guy that just kind of shows up for a game and doesn't, you know. And he and he yells things. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, but he plays at home in front of 70,000 fans. Did Who, you guys hear that comment? Who's no. that? No. Romo, in, in, the, in the Bills-Chiefs game... He made some joke about, oh, that's how I play at home, Jim. I play at home in front of what I think is 70,000 fans. It was just like a really like, like a flat joke. Yeah, it was like, like, well, he's not un- even right. Like, he's not even funny. Right. And it, that's the thing is like, it, you can see that he's not prepared because he's making these like yeah. just weird jokes of like, do you think Belichick will get into TV if he doesn't get a coaching job? He'll be offered. He's been good on TV in spots before. He did that NFL 100 show yeah. a couple years ago, when and he was actually good. When he's not trying to protect his own information, yeah, he can be really good. Yeah, I might, I might predict Belichick would be better at TV than Brady would. I believe that. Bill in Old Forge is up next. Hey, Bill. Good morning. Hey guys, real quick. Uh, one thing, since you're talking about that, is uh, how about Jim Nance when the guy made the field goal and he goes, and the kick was pure. Everybody looked at each other like, the kick yeah. was pure. I've never heard anybody use it. It was the weirdest terminology I've ever heard. The kick was pure. Um, but that's not why I'm calling. I'm calling for this reason. Four days have been gone, and I'm still – I can't get over some of the stuff that happened in this game as a Bills fan in general. And my question is this, and I know it's probably not going to happen because of salary cap and stuff, but I don't care what Diggs did prior to this game, the 1,000-yard seasons, whatever. That drop – I will always just remember him for the drop. And it doesn't help his case that how he acted going into the offseason. It was almost like karma. And I had a feeling something like that might bite him in the, in the ass later in the year, and it did. I can't get that drop out of my head. And I, I'm so curious to see how he's going to act this offseason because I still think he's going to act off, and it's going to be like he won't have the backing he had last year from, I think, most Bills fans because of that drop. Um, Can I ask you a question, Bill? Let me ask you a question. Sure, sure. When James Cook fumbles and gets benched, do you get mad at McDermott for that? Um, no, only because I'm kind of old school when it okay. comes to that. So, so no, and, and and Cook, and Cook also, I love James Cook. He's great, but he's dropped a couple touchdown passes right in his hands too this year, right he on has. the money. So I mean, I mean, the benching does it help? Probably not. Doesn't do anything. But at the same time, he's disappointed me in spots where 
Yeah, the the, the only reason the, the only reason I ask is like that can be a big time talking point for fans. Like, wow, guy makes a mistake, and all of a sudden you're done with him. And the number of fans that are just done with Diggs because of a drop to me is alarming. I can't. I'm. I'm, I'm it's, the, it's it's the moment. It's not necessarily. The I know. Drop. It's the moment. And when you're paying these guys big time money, any of the receivers of the past, Antonio Brown, Beckham, uh, Gronk. They show catches these guys are making in playoffs and Super Bowls. He does have one of the most famous catches. He does have one of the most famous catches in like postseason history. He has stepped up in a big spot before. Yeah, but not this time. He didn't. Right. He, I mean, he, had, he dropped the pass. Was, right. And Sherfield dropped too, but it's like he gets a pass because he's not making he's the not money that. Diggs is making. And I'm so. I mean, it is what it is. Just, I'm one of those guys. You drop that ball. I'll never get that on my head. It's like we have to start all over again all over again next season and just kind of want to get to the playoffs and see are they going to be able to get it done and, you know, are they going to have more problems with that? Yeah. But my question is this, though. Diggs is one. Tyler Bass, the miss. I'll never get that out of my head. It was brutal, especially, again, leading up to that game. Um, he, he had the yips the weekend before of the extra point. He's kicking the ball over the place. I had a feeling it was almost like McDermott go for it here. I don't want this guy kicking a field goal today. And, of course, you have to try the field goal. And any misses, like, wide right wasn't even close. It's like, oh, are you kidding me? So him and then Von Miller, obviously, because he's been completely disappearing at the entire season. And he's hurt. And, and they're all like they're all making quite a bit of money. Like Bass got an extension. That irritates me because if you're getting paid that money, I'm expecting you to perform in the biggest moments of the season. And all three of them, nothing in this game. Okay. Thank goodness Allen didn't throw a pick. Be done with him. Not allowed to make any mistakes. I mean, I think it's, any it's a, it's a drop. It's a bad drop. Happens like doesn't happen a lot. It happened a lot for him though. Diggs had a lot of it, drops. It, it happened more at the end of the year. He had a bad yeah. two months. He really had a really bad two months. And that that's where my you know concern with Diggs is. I'm not concerned because he dropped that football at the end of the game. I wish he caught it. Um, and I I think you know I'd like to. I, I'll say this: Is there any other receiver on the team that you would have wanted in that spot? No. On that game, like in that game. He does have $27 million on their cap next year. My my concern is, again, it might not even be all about him. It might be about Brady. Just what the heck happened in the second half of the year. And he did drop some, so he's not absolved completely from that, too. He had – how many drops did he have this year? He had eight drops, so I guess it was the same as the year before. I mean, that that's what wow. I want to be looking at. Is the, can, sa- the same number of drops as the previous year. Yeah, the same number of drops. Okay, I want to pe- be looking at can he – bounce back from the second half of the year, and I believe that he will. 803-0550, more of your calls. We'll get back. Uh, Niagara's got a big game coming up this weekend as well. We'll talk with head coach Greg Paulus for a minute on uh, what they're doing. And there's a fun stat on them as well that I'm not sure their head coach has even really looked into. We'll get to that next. Ball thing now in the corner to Emmy. Right back to Luke. Did not shoot the three. Takes it down low. Walking the tightrope along the boundary. Keeps that dribble alive. Now to Tuck. Tuck's got an open three, and that is swished in. Jeremy and Joe, a few minutes here for big event coming up this weekend. Right, not this week. Well, yeah, Friday. Friday's the weekend, right? What day is it? Friday it's, Friday at, at 7? Uh, yeah. Friday at 7. Yeah, that's the weekend. That's the weekend. Come on. On the Western Hotline is uh, Niagara Purple Eagles basketball coach Greg Paulus. As uh, they get a, get ready for this 7 o'clock matchup, uh, it's going to be on WGR. Also flex the ESPNU, the Purple Eagles taking on Marist. Greg, good morning. It's Jeremy and Joe. How are you today? Good morning. How are you guys doing? Good. So here's the stat I've got for you. I don't know if this is in your locker room or not. I know your team is shooting well from three. You guys are like 40% or 
or 41% from behind the arc. I looked up your career three-point shooting percentage, and it's about 40. So, you know, if the, I feel like if the team stays ahead of that, that that's a pretty good spot to be in. That's, uh, that would be a heck of a thing uh, if we could continue it. Um, you know, it, it's something that we, we talk a lot about on an everyday basis with just sharing the basketball. And, and uh, you know, we're a team that is uh, really balanced. Uh, we have four guys that score in double figures. And, uh, you know, part of our offensive philosophy is, is kind of sharing that basketball and getting, getting your teammate a, a shot. And, uh, you know, the guys have done a, done a good job of that, and, and uh, hopefully we can just continue to do that. You've got a bunch of different guys contributing. You also have uh, Ahmad Henderson, who has been given Mac Rookie of the Week three weeks in a row. So a, a sensational freshman, big part of this team as well. Yeah, Ahmad is a is a um, a freshman guard for us. Um, he is a guy that uh, he, he's five eight in size. Um, you know, he's a dynamic guard that uh, plays on and off the basketball. And uh, you know, there's always a learning curve as you um, go from one level to the next. And and I certainly had that. Uh, you know, when when I went from high school to Duke, and it's just something that takes a little bit of time. But his ability to uh, just continue to process information to uh, learn as much as he can in a, in a quick fashion um, has really helped him uh, be able to to help our basketball team fourth in the Mac right now five straight wins on the road and uh, six and one of your last seven games so coming home for tomorrow's game against Marist with uh, things rolling in the right direction what what, what you feel is like the key to keep things moving well, I think for us, um, you know, the last couple of weeks we've been able to take a couple steps forward, and that's that's not based upon us uh, getting the result with a win. That's just more the way that we've been able to learn and grow together. Um, you know, we have eight new guys, and so for us it's uh, taking some time to get to know each other, get to know our system. And, uh, you know, the, the big thing for us is just to kind of control what we can control. And, um, you know, for us as we continue to – try to keep taking steps forward. Um, you know, you mentioned Friday night at seven, it's going to be a, a great atmosphere. Um, you know, having an opportunity to play on ESPNU, um, it, it's the first time that we've been able to have this and in, in a number of years um, since the Mac has gone to this. And, and so for us, uh, it, it's a great opportunity. It's going to be really exciting. And, um, you know, we, we just want to continue to kind of do what do our system on both ends of the floor and, and really be connected as a team. The way you guys have played since especially the new year, do you feel like in the locker room with the players that's helping you know raise expectations for at least uh, the conference for the season as a whole? Well, I, I think for us it certainly um, helped us helped us develop some confidence. Um, you know, with uh, even right, you know, uh, the, the result has been positive in terms of 2024. But I thought towards the end of 23, um, we were really starting to make some strides there towards the middle of December and. And uh, for us, we spend a lot of our time teaching and coaching and learning and uh, in, in making it about the process um, and not letting the result determine, you know, how hard we work or our preparation or, or, or our ability to try to get better and grow. And, and I think our guys have, have done a really good job of, of, uh, of, of keeping it about the process. And, and that's something that's uh, not just for this Friday, but throughout the rest of the, the season here. Um, you know, this, this conference is really competitive. There's, there's a lot of one possession games. And so for us to continue to learn how to make those winning plays to uh, have the result be favorable is, is what we're concentrated on. 
So tomorrow's game against Maris is uh, is eighties nights. Are you doing anything yeah. crazy for yourself <laughs> for uh, the, the outfit? What's eighties basketball? You got to wear like the old Bill Lambier goggles. The or super something. short shorts. Right? There you go, short I, shorts. I, that's that's what I think of. You know, I was born in '86, so you know I, I don't have uh, as much experience. So, uh, but in in terms of that, yeah, I think of the short shorts. I, I think of the, <laughs> the what the Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, Detroit Pistons, Michael Jordan. Um, so you know, there's it's uh, we we got '80s night. I know the the students are excited about it. We're we're giving away some some T-shirts. It's it's going to be a, a tremendous atmosphere and environment for not just our campus, but the community to, to come out and support our guys. Um, you know, it's just a really great opportunity for us. We also saw, before we let you go, Niagara head coach, uh, basketball coach, Greg Paulus, we also saw on social media, like a viral moment. You got to give a scholarship to one of your players. It's, uh, you know, one of our walk-ons, uh, Jalen Brown uh, from Chicago. This is his second year with the program. Um, you know, he's done an outstanding job representing and, and being an ambassador for our program on and off the floor. Um, you know, we, we brought uh, his, his mom and godmother on a Zoom call with our team. We surprised them. We had everybody in there. Uh, there was a little bit of, like, what's going on. And uh, to be able to present the scholarship for him for the rest of this uh, school year, uh, it, w- it was a really special moment for him. He, he's earned it. Uh, but I think one of, the, one of the more enjoyable things as you watch the video online was just the, the celebration and pure joy that his teammates had for him. Um, I think it just speaks volumes about uh, the, the people we have in our locker room and, and uh, just a really special, neat moment. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. I've seen a lot of those on you know, college game day and, and for football and basketball and other sports. And, and uh, to be able to be a part of this moment with our team, uh, and to, to offer this opportunity for Jalen was something uh, I was really proud to do and, and grateful to be a part of. Very good. Well, thanks for the time, and uh, best of luck tomorrow night, and uh, hope, hopefully a raucous crowd for you for a home game on ESPNU and here on WGR against Maris. Thanks, Greg. Thanks for having me on, guys. Have a great one. Niagara head coach Greg Paulus. It is 80s night, as you mentioned. There's also a meet and greet with Thurman Thomas. So you've got uh, nice. It's Batavia Downs Gaming night, Hotel Night. Thurman Thomas on campus for a meet and greet from 5.15 to 6.30. Photo op. No autographs, though. You can't do that. But photo op. Then 80s night. And part of 80s night is? I got a source that tells me this, Joe. You ready for this? Mm-hmm. So what are you having on 80s night? Uh, DJ in-house, 80s music during timeouts, on-court entertainment, but also $5 general admission tickets and rolled back beer and concession. $2 all non-craft beers. Well, all right. That's that's uh that's not bad. It's a fun place to watch a game. What now, would you what would you wear to an eighties night? You're the you're you're a fan or you're a coach. If I'm the coach, I think I'm I'm dressing up like the Blues Brothers. Okay, right. I'm because I'm still keeping it classy. I still got the I still got the suit. I just got I'm throwing the hat in and the sunglasses. I'm wearing. I mean, you know what we wore in the the the. the, the Cliche eighty stuff has neon colors, but I feel right. like as a kid, I mean, I was born parachute in like, pants. Yeah, I, was, I wouldn't. I don't know about that. 
No? Is that that's eighties, uh, isn't it? I don't know, like the eighties for adults versus eighties for me. I was born in seventy nine, so I was a kid during the eighties. Your child eighties. What yeah. It, it's yeah, it's short shorts, shorter shorts. Although yeah. those shorts are back in now, by the way. They're they're coming they're coming back, but they're also already, I believe, starting it's starting to go back the other no way. No way. I'm just telling you. The, you see, have you seen like Dig Diggs is a huge fashion guy, right? Oh, Step He's on Diggs out there fashion. wearing like the big poofy jeans Stop. at the bottom with Asics. Stop. Stefan Diggs is a fashion guy. Like he goes to Milan, fashion <laughs> for people <laughs> but that are just walking around. You see what Joe Brady walked into the stadium in? No. Yeah, like the inseam was up there. Like Joe Brady's a okay. young guy. He's kind of hip. He wore shorts to the game. But it, see, it all starts with the Diggses in Milan, and oh, that's just shit. telling you what this is. What we're going to be doing in two no, years? No, that's not because right. we're all that's, just catching up to that. That's not right at all. I've been watching people walk down runways for forty years and have never worn one thing they've worn. <laughs> not one. Wait, if I look at a runway from like men's fashion in like yes, the year two thousand, you are not going to see a hoodie and a encore golf hat. No, you're not. That's what I'm wearing today, and just pants. And the same loafers every day for five years is what I'm basically wearing. Hmm. Not the exact same pair. I get new pairs every year. You might be right, by the way. I'm looking now, and this does not look like something they, 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 they I've ever worn in my life. Yeah. You're looking at an 80s runway model? No, I'm looking at like the year 2000, because <laughs> I think I just said that in twenty in, in two years, this is what we'll be doing. What but. were they wearing? Something that they would we would never wear. It's I don't even know what to describe. It's like a jean jacket that's got like cigarette burn holes all over it. I, I don't know. Yeah, I feel like stripes. In the 80s, we wore a lot of stripes. If I look at yeah. photos of me as a kid. And then the big, big thick, the big poofy hair, right? Yeah, big thick stripes. Weren't the t-shirt, like the sleeves and t-shirts, like super short too? Yeah, that's probably right. I get like, all my 80s short. knowledge from Stranger Things, basically. That's Honestly, yeah. that's a great tool because one of the things I love about Stranger Things, the show, is when I watched it, I thought no, nothing has ever done a better job of putting you in that time period yeah. than that show. Really? Like, yeah. it makes me feel things about, oh, yeah, I lived during all of that. Look look at all the stuff they wear. Big, thick, striped, collared shirts. Yeah, yeah. Old 80s stuff. That's what I would wear to an 80s And the shirt, yeah, I'm, like, I'm looking at, like, images of the show now. Everyone's wearing, like, super short shorts, too. Yeah. All right, 80s night for Niagara and Marist. The game's going to be here on WGR at 7 o'clock tomorrow night and also on ESPNU against Marist. The Marist, what? Huh? Who's got mm, it? The Marist, um, the Marist Meerkats. Looking for, actually, that's not that far off. That's actually, looking for some alliteration there. No, that's, it's not that bad? No, that's pretty good. The, the Red Foxes. Yeah, that's pretty close, that's not right? That, that's not that bad. I think, I think I, I'm going to take that as a, as a half credit. I'll give you like a quarter point. A quarter point? Okay, I'll take it. Yeah. How close a meerkat is to a red fox? Aren't meerkats, though, like hamster size? Uh, They're bigger than that. They've got a bunch at the zoo. Meerkats are... Meerkats are cool. Are they? (laughs) Right? (laughs) Look where we've gone. This has been a a, 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 weird conversation. From a college basketball coach into... (laughs) The 80s. 80s fashion. To meerkats are cool. Meerkats are cool. Yeah, all right, fine. Put a poll up. Are meerkats cool? Yeah. Yes. 803-0550. 803-0550. We have an open segment. If you're on hold, Shane, stick with us. Anybody else wants to jump in and bring up literally anything, you know, whatever, it's fine. Give us a call. We'll talk about anything you want.
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.